This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we are live on our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch channels with Damon Samuel and Ebony Isaac. And you've probably seen them before because on the 16th through the 18th, well, it was actually on the 17th, I believe, day two of the PEG Bedroom Producer Festival, they actually had a performance where they have a video they did together, and then Damon played live from Australia, where he is right now. Um, so now we have both of these artists on live today, and we did it a little bit different because everybody who had been on the PEG Producer Festival had been interviewed by me in the podcast because that's what the festival was about, was taking people we interview and then allowing them to have a performance. So today we're going to do the interview. <laughs> and so what we want to do is um, actually show everybody your song Perfectly Alone so that they can get a, a, a feel for what you guys sound like. And then we'll go through a full interview. So if that's cool, I'm going to set that up. And that's your video. And then I'm going to put everybody on mute. And then we're going to get into the video. And um, then we'll come back and, and we'll talk about um, your work and your work together and your work alone and separately and everything in between. So, okay. Sounds great. Okay. okay. We go. So I'm going to put everybody on mute. Hold a second. Hi, I'm Ebony Isaac, and this is Damon Samuels, and this is Perfectly Alone. Should know that if you can't 
accepted then I am perfect so perfectly alone and I'm so tired of it can't you see and I am sad so sad and no one understands it the smile that you see so perfectly alone and I'm so tired of it can't you see and I am sad so sad and happy at the same time and I wish you knew it the feeling takes over and what do you do with it I don't know I wanna know, so I won't be perfectly alone. I don't know, I wanna know, so I won't be perfectly alone. So that was Perfectly Alone, and we're back with Damon Samuel and Ebony Isaac. And uh, that was great. Everybody's mic is on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, did it right. Yeah, good. <laughs> you know uh, yeah, no transitions. That's cool. Um, so um, I, I think we'll, maybe we'll go ladies first because um, we, you know, we'll do that. So I have your bio and I like to ask questions um, and I think I sent them. I don't know if you got them, but so, so Ebony, when did you first get into music? Like at what age did you, did you decide that you wanted to do music? I, I have been singing for as long as I can remember, honestly, honestly. Uh, I think six, seven, making yeah. up my own songs and <laughs> making other kids sing songs with me. <laughs> That, that's really interesting because like I've been interviewing people since 2018 like 70 something artists around the world and like a majority of the artists I talk to say like when they're under 10 years old is when they first got into it and so mm -hmm. it seems like people who are creatives seem to know it really early yeah know, that they kind of have it in their bones that like they gotta do it and they just yeah. start as soon as they can absolutely I think um, it has a lot to do with Disney <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> yeah maybe so yeah, even the mickey mouse club they had everybody you know wanting to be a pop star absolutely um yeah everybody remembers the old school i'm not i'm talking about like the black and white one <laughs> i did what's your sailboat mickey i got you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um yeah it's interesting so 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 when did you start working on music and actually developing that you knew you'd want to you know, be a musician 
because I think people they get into it, they want to, you know, they they do covers, they they emulate people they like, but then like what made you want to write your own music? I think I've always written my own songs, not even knowing that I was doing it because it was like a little bit of poetry, a little bit of music. Um, but when I actually started recording, there was this project called the Dream Project that we did with the kids, and there was the opportunity to actually do it. And from there was like, oh no, this has to be done. And then I met Laura Tauf and the rest is history. <laughs> met this game right here. That's interesting. Yeah, I, so I, I, met, I met Laura Toth through my wife, who's like an author. My wife is like an author and a playwright. And so she had a relationship where she was working with Laura Toff and she was doing some stuff with him. And then um, she told me that, well, you should interview him. So mm -hmm. I interviewed Laura Toff and then we had, we, we, we kept in touch and I told him about the bedroom pro, uh, producer festival and he mentioned you guys. He said, mm -hmm. oh, you got, you, you got to get Damon and you got to get Ebony. You got to get them to get on the show. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And uh, that's how I got it to you guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's always introducing everybody to everybody. <laughs> he's, he's looking he's out for, for his crew. That's good, though. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have connections. <laughs> Absolutely. The more, the merrier, too. Especially good-minded, like, good-like-minded people doing music mm -hmm. together. So, yeah. yeah. Folks who are yeah. like in, independent minded, and, absolutely, you know, and believe in, in what we believe in. I think, in yes, and this, this kind of zone in the market, you know, uh, I, I'm a big supporter of like everybody who's like a do it themselves indie artist, you know, yeah. bedroom producer type of vibe. Because um, mm -hmm. I think that's where the cool stuff happens, you know, people go on, go on to YouTube, they go on to you know, the smaller platforms is where everything's happening on the SoundCloud from the mumble rappers and the EDM artists on SoundCloud, like myself, mm -hmm. um, to the people who just, uh, you know, you get word of mouth or yeah. you work with people and then you get opportunities and you tour and you do the work as a working musician, you know. Absolutely. And I think it gives you that freedom to be yourself uniquely and not have to worry about trending and, and sounding like other people, too, you know. I like yeah, so it's like yeah. in your own when you're in your own zone you feel comfortable to do whatever it is you feel and you please and mm -hmm. there's just a, a level of like confidence to where it's like yes. I'm gonna do this and less it's to me. Yeah, David, go ahead. What were you saying? You were just saying less restrictions. You know, you can actually just I guess stay true to your artistic self. You mean just express yourself without having to worry about um, limitations. Um, and it's interesting because when you when you listen to a lot of like big artists, that's where they go and steal the ideas. They go to SoundCloud, <laughs> like, you know, the independent sites, see what's happening, and then they yeah. pretend. There's you know, all they these ghostwriters. There's a lot of yeah. ghostwriters. You know, there's a lot of people who are from the underground that might not get credit. It may be mm -hmm. get credit, but um, yeah, the people always trolling. You know, it's like even mm. Bowie, Bo Bowie, David Bowie. You know, not that he was doing, but he used to go to clubs and just sit in the back. Yeah, and go find artists that he would yeah. bring in, and yeah. just say, "Hey, this he would just suddenly show up and say, hey, this guy's kicking in.' Boom! He was, he found Stevie Ray Vaughan before Vaughan was even big. I don't know if everybody uh -huh. knows that. For Let's Dance, he Stevie wow. Ray Vaughan does the guitar solo, and mm. Bowie actually found him before he actually got his big first route album. Uh -huh. Stevie was just a Texas bluesman; he hadn't gotten out of Texas, and Bowie heard him. And it's oh, I want this guy on my record, and it was like simultaneous. Like mm -hmm. Stevie's album broke at the same time he did that, and, yeah. and that's that's this you know kind of like a Lord Toff kind of idea. But you know, 
finding people and then knowing yeah. where to place them in your world yeah. is, is always really cool. I think that's really cool when people do that. Yeah. So who are your influences or your reference points? I always ask people like who inspired them. You know, everybody always talks about the Beatles and Marvin Gaye and all the Motown people. And, but who, 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 do, who are your like heroes or reference points? Oh, Stevie Wonder. Absolutely. Stevie Wonder, Anita Baker. Um, Aaliyah, Whitney Houston, for sure. Mariah Carey, yes, 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 Mariah. Um, those are a couple. I like Neo, for mm-hmm. sure. His sound, his uniqueness. Well, I think I today what's interesting is is there's a lot of merging. Like yeah. if you listen to hip hop, there's they, they're bringing in jazz. Oh yeah, like rock and funk and it was always funk you know hip-hop mm-hmm. kind of took the whole parlor and funkadelic catalog they took Absolutely. the whole you know james brown catalog oh um, and speaking of funk and stuff earth wind and fire for sure and don't forget kenny g yes kenny Lord. G. <laughs> yes yes yeah, i used yeah. to make up songs to all his you know I'm a, I'm a big uh fan of like you know funkadelic but I'm also into like experimental stuff like from Sun Ra. You know, Sun Ra is like, I don't know if you're into jazz, but it's like an un- unheralded, unknown jazz artist that's like okay. very big now. You know, Space okay. is the first, if you ever got into it. They were from the 50s. Mm, and they wow. actually dressed up like Funkadelic before Funkadelic. They oh, were really? a jazz bebop band wow. and they dressed up like Funkadelic in 74 and 58. Mm. They actually dressed up like they were from Mars. They wore these capes and weird hats and all kinds of stuff. And they, they had this kind of weird Afro cosmic vibe that wow. George actually put into Funkadelic. He actually got it from them. Yeah, they're cool. They, yeah, but they have a really interesting sound. They sound as good as like Davis or Coltrane. When they started, they were like classic bebop. They yeah. have uh, this album called Jazz and Silhouette. It's not really cosmic. And then you have an album like Space is the Place, mm-hmm. where they just have a chant, kind of like Coltrane's Love Supreme. They say Space is the Place is like a chant, like the way the Love Supreme mm-hmm. goes in that song, if you've ever heard it from a Coltrane. But um, yeah, it's like they take to take esoteric weird things in my music. And that's why it goes uh, expansive sound is the idea. Because, you know, today you can take things from anything. You can take some Johnny Cash, oh, yeah. and mix it with Funkadelic and mix it with the Stones and mix it with this, and mix it with that. I think that's what makes everything sound good. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so maybe talk about um, your relationship with Lord Toff and the stuff you did with him and how that came to be. He's like, truly, he's my everything. He is my everything. Um, within meeting him, of course, like you just, you know, you just kind of, you wonder like, is, are you for real? This is too good to be true. Are you for real? Um, and then he just shows proof all the time, super encouraging, open to ideas and thoughts and he'll, you know, if he's, if he's asking you to try something and you're like, well, what about this? Like, there's never any pushback at all. Um, one of my favorite songs. Uh, I believe we've done together um, outside of Perfectly Alone. <laughs> um, is it, I I, I want to say it's the chase. 
The Chase mm-hmm. is one of my favorite songs that he's produced. Just I remember I, I remember the first time I heard it. I was like, that's mine. I have to do this. We have to do this. Um, yeah, just I, I, I mean, I, I don't even think I can put into words how appreciative I am for him and what he does and what he's doing for me, for Damon, for Monty Kristoff as a whole. Mm-hmm. Just for our family, he's a, he's amazing. Now, because of COVID, how has the work gone? Has it been just all remote? Or have you been able to to actually go no. to no. New York? No, and um, and not because he wouldn't allow me to, because he would definitely love to see me as I would love to see him. I, I just don't want to put us at at risk. I feel like doing my part, you know, is staying here, being safe, keeping my immune system high, vice versa for him and everybody else until it's until we're in the clear. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, this is how we've been communicating, and I have been getting <laughs> better. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, this, this is weird because, like, when I started the Ghost, I'm a bedroom producer, you know. Like, mm-hmm. All my gear, that's like my, my whole studio is actually in my bedroom. Uh, <laughs> and um, that's a lot. I, I actually have cameras and stuff, and I've been going live from my bedroom since 2016. Um, oh, sweet. And so I was already kind of set up to handle the pandemic because that's what I was oh. yeah. <laughs> All I ever did was like, You're way out there. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you were on time. <laughs> every every album I ever did, I I had Skypes. Like in 2016 okay. and 2015, I was working with people in LA and in Sweden and Netherlands. And it was always on a Skype, and people were saying, "Well, how how do you do that?" And I said, "Well, I, that's the only way I know how to do it." <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like now now everybody's doing what I've been doing for a while. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's interesting. It's like the I think musicians found a way. To make Absolutely. it happen, you know, because yeah. like, at the art is not going to stop. Right? No, so we, never. We found, yeah, we found a way to keep it going. I mean, without so. music, there is empty. There's there's noise, and even noise is going to turn into music eventually. Like, I take like white noise, brown noise. Yeah, noise. I'm like almost, drips yeah. of water, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, yeah. that's ah. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> I can take, I can take anything. I take a wood block and throw it against the wall, and then take a microphone and then sample it and resample it and do all this. Absolutely, it's kind of crazy like that. But um, <laughs> yeah. So let let me see. Like maybe bring Damon in a little bit because we were we we're giving you the focus, the ladies first. But um, I want to get into like your background as well because we're gonna kind of just a dual interview. So um, so Damon, when did you first start into music? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like singing, probably later, but music was always there. Like my, my mother always talks about this story when I was like in my nappies, um, on the on the kitchen table dancing to Elvis, like move my like move my hips to Elvis, and I was probably I don't know maybe a year and a half. Um, and 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 you know the first recollection is like um, um, me actually getting involved is when I was probably probably six. I mean I can't find it hard to believe now, but I was actually sitting um, in my bedroom and putting together the mixtapes. So basically, I was I was taking certain sounds that I liked on the cassette tape, cutting it yeah. out with sticky tape and put it back together. I make my own mixes. Oh, your and own engineer. You don't know what it was because because I, I grew up in East Germany. So the thing is, technology-wise, or like you know, tools that were available, we were a little bit behind. So the thing is, you had to use what you had. And so like yeah, you yeah. became very creative, like you know, recording things on the TV and then using it in mixes and like you know, um, little fairy tales mixed with. Um, with, I don't know, electronic music. And so early on, I kind of like really, was really fascinated with putting music together. Um, I probably 
I probably was better then than I'm now with, with, uh, with <laughs> putting sounds together. And then probably when I was, you know, when I became a teenager, 13, 14, going through, you know, kind of self-discovery, identity, and really kind of, I don't know, you know, the internal struggles, I started writing lyrics. And it was kind of like my way to, you know, start expressing myself and using music as a tool of like, you know, actually almost mental, mental health to actually make it through life and, you know, kind of... Uh, describe the world that I found myself in and, and making sense of it. So I think, you know, that's when writing really came into. And, um, and Did you write like poetry before you wrote lyrics? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I was literally writing poetry and then, you know, turned into songs. Yeah. Did you find the transition between poetry and songs was like a little difficult? Because I was a poet before I ever got into music and I kept it totally separate for years. Oh, wow. I never yeah. introduced my poetry into yeah. music. And then one day I said, well, what if I take these poems and turn them into songs? <laughs> yeah. And then they, they had to change a lot because I was doing like, you know, spoken mm -hmm. word stuff and it wasn't really meant to be sung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I never found that, like for me, even until this day, I feel like there's, you know, there's certain pieces that just come and they stay just words because, you know, like, like I think there's a certain, uh, let's say, rhythm, harmony within words as well. And sometimes it just leads you towards a song. And sometimes yeah, yeah. it just says, like the words in itself, they're just potent enough and they just have enough to just keep them the way they are. So I think, you know, that's something that just naturally happened. Like, you know, certain things I didn't, yeah, I didn't consider them songs and others, you know, you can just see from the structure and the way they came together, like, oh, that's a song. Um, and then usually like, you know, the melody and then, you know, for me, the guitar was always kind of like my tool to to turn into songs. Like, you know, if I sit down with a guitar and, you know, try some of the words um, and then it usually, um, you know, takes me somewhere. Um, and um, yeah, even though my influence of it, very, very broad. Like I love, you know, I love a lot of electronic music. Like, I, you know, my first, very first band that I was, you know, in love with was Kraftwerk or the Kraftwerk, yeah. like you know, like you said in, in German, Kraftwerk, uh, which is Power Station. And like, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, one of the first bands using computers um, to, to create music. And I remember just sitting there as a kid, like you know, having vinyl and just listening to their sounds and just being so amazed and taken away um, to another other places. It was like, yeah, what are they I mean, Kraftwerk yeah. was the beginning of the Minneapolis sound because Prince heard him. And mm -hmm. he actually took their sound, which was very progressive. I mean, they're like a, they're mm -hmm. like a yes. Mm -hmm. You know, Kraftwerk is like yes in Genesis, but they were going in a different direction. It's kind of got that, that kind of kind of Bowie-esque, Brian Eno kind of thing, mm -hmm. that Berlin sound. And and then with like when Prince took it and it actually figured out how to shorten it and turn yeah. them into pop songs, yeah. you know, to turn it into like a 1999 or Red Corvette and take that vibe which mm -hmm. was a really progressive like art rock thing yep. and then make it actually melodic, mm -hmm. um, which was not that it wasn't melodic, but it was more classical, it was more stark, it was more experimental, and, you and, know, and, and, you know. And also like Germans, like it's very kind of, I don't want to say robotic, but Germans, like, you know, a lot of their, their, their um, Robotic. Uh, it's, it's not four, four. There's not a lot of variety when it comes to like, you know, even time signatures, very much straightforward. And yeah, so yeah. I think, um, you know, that, that gives it a certain vibe and feel, which at times, like, you know, um, yeah, it might not be so appealing to people who like funk or jazz or a bit more, like, you know. Um, yeah. I think yeah. the genius of it is, like, taking something like that and then, you know, bringing the Lynn drum in, bringing some, like, you know, like, uh, funkadelic-style, like, bass lines and, and just mixing it up, like, between taking, like, Sly and James Brown, but then mm -hmm. bringing in craft work. It's just the idea of, like, expansive genre bending. You know, yep. and when you do that, then you get something new. I mean, the Minneapolis yes. sound is a combination of Santana and Funkadelic and Hendrix yep. and all these things. And, you know, and what I hear in your sound, you know, I hear this singer songwriter tradition, like a Dylan, 
like mm-hmm. Bob Marley, like Ben Harper. Um, you got this like really strong song songwriter, kind of like a seventies vibe, like, yeah. like a Neil Young. You know, <laughs> but, but you're more modern. You got a modern take on it, but you're yeah. coming from that kind of zone. To me, yeah, that's what I feel. No, it, it, it's interesting because because you know, like that's what I'm saying. Sound wise, I love electronic music. Like, you know, I love you know, Radiohead who went from rock into electronic music. I love you know, I grew up with you know, Dipish Mode, The Cure, you know, the eighty synth sounds. Like, you know. Um, so, but when it comes to writing, because, you know, not having to rely on anybody else, take the guitar and start telling a story, you can just do it in your bedroom, you know, it's, it's yeah, fine, yeah. bedroom, bedroom, you bedroom, that uh, studios. Yeah, you I spend, can I spend, yeah, whole I spend, world. That, that, that's, that, that, that's right, and I, and I think, you know, like I spent years, like, you know, in a bedroom in apartment buildings, but I didn't have much, you know, um, space, or even, I couldn't be very loud, so just, you know, like, sitting every guitar and start writing songs. And I think it, that's kind of like how much my, my sound developed, not necessarily because that's what I want to do, but it was kind of like the easiest way to do, if that makes sense. I didn't need a band. I didn't need a, you know, any, any yeah, equipment. Well, getting all these synths and stuff is like not the easiest thing to do. And before, yeah. and before, um, you know, before they had DAWs, you had to do what I do with like have a stack of synths on top of each other, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and figure out how to be your own recording engineer. Cause you got to link them all together. <laughs> and then you got to yeah. link the drum machine, do the MIDI and all that's a lot of work. You know, now people can take a DAW, and they can take a drum machine off the mm-hmm. DAW and everything's in the box, right? Yep. So they can kind of build everything. They grab samples, grab this. And so you could have the headphones on and you're not bugging anybody, mm-hmm. right? But back yeah. in the day when I was starting with a band, we were in the basement with like Les Pauls and Fender Strats and like some, some orange amplifiers pissing off the neighbors. trying <laughs> 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 to sound like the clash, you know? With a bunch of black kids, maybe my brother's like... What are you guys doing? Why do you sound yeah. like rock? It's like, well, because we like rock because you know rock was invented by black folks. Don't you know that? Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's let's share the history. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they are. They some people get confused. It's like like you never heard of uh, Lead Belly and Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. It's like, like rock is like you know it's not the Stones. Like they took the Robert Johnson. <laughs> that, that, that's right. That's right. It's, it's funny they respect it. <laughs> it it's funny because my, my 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 first my first band when I started singing actually like you know kind of for the first time really um getting into it was actually in kind of new metal bands. It's kind of like yeah, a Rage yeah. Against the Machine and and like you know early nineties probably and um and I had you know some friends that we played in some I don't know garden uh you know away from the city because it was too loud. And I was literally just like just screaming um um and it was kind of like my my first my first start in, in, into music because you know I think at that age too you want to express all the the anger you know that you have in you. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be like Zeppelin. I, I I mean, we were all trying. I'm a child of the '70s, right? So I'm 52 years old, and so like when we started to play, we were all trying to play like Black Dog. We're playing like Zeppelin, playing like Aerosmith, and we're playing like all this hard, you know, Stones stuff, and you know. And then when we got to the '80s, I'm trying to sound like The Clash and Johnny Rotten, um, yeah. you know. And it just it's like that. But then I heard like Joy Division, and mm. then when I heard Joy Division, I'm like, mm. I want synths, and so I started looking around yeah. for synths. And yeah. I got into New Order, and I got into The Cure, and I got into Pesh Mode, and Duran Duran. So that's my sound evolved. Was like I was a punk, yeah. and I was trying to sound very punk, and I was a black punk, and trying to you know be as hard as I could. And then I was like, whoa, these synthesizers! You can do all this this interesting stuff. You can bring classical, you can bring jazz, you can do all this other stuff. And yeah. I said, wow. And then I got the band because they all they just want to be run to rockers. And I said, well, you know, we could you know look at what Duran Duran's doing, look what Joy Division's doing. We should do that. 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's how we kind of got into, you know, where I am now. Everybody else got married and I kept on going. But, you know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about all those different sounds because, like, you know, at times you can get really caught up in, like, you know, oh, what are you going to create and all this? And what I love, like, especially like having somebody like Ebony, um, you know, like when you just actually take it back to the song and to the voice and just like, hey, let's just sing a song. Let's just, like, you know, yeah, it can be yeah. literally just two vocals, a guitar, something, a little piano, just really stripped back and really, you know, like, like um, pure because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a songwriter. I love songs. I love, you know, lyrics. And so I think at the end of the day, um, as much I love sounds and I really can get lost in it, I love the simplicity of a, of a good song, you know, and so, yes. you know, um, uh, and it's something that, you know, really draws me to, to, to great singers. Like, you know, Ebony is somebody, but I hear sing each time. There's such a joy and, and, and you know, so much expression and, and passion in it. And it's just, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't need anything else. You know, it's almost like get away, yeah. like get, get out of the way and let, let the voice do the work you're in. So, yeah. That's why I always talk to people who like are vocalists is like, you know, your vocal, if you're a vocalist, that's your instrument. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And so like, so like if you get to the core, you know, you can start with like, just like tapping on a desk and singing. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you you don't have to have all the stuff that, you know, a lot of us techie. Like, no, but you know what the bad part about that is? So you start to get these songs going in your head. So then you're singing them to people and then they're trying to like play you. And you're like, no, because now you've heard, you started hearing things in your head. You're going, you know no, no. <laughs> yeah, not like that. And like this a little bit, like see, lee, 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 lee. and they're like, "What?" And you know, see, 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 see. you'll hear that, like. Mm. <laughs> so you hear stories about Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones, and he used to like, you know, hum his mm-hmm. part to Quincy, and they'd yeah. be back and forth, telling mm-hmm. all the musicians what. Michael yeah. had that, you know, he would know oh, yeah. what he mm-hmm. wanted, mm-hmm. and so he 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 couldn't go on a piano like Prince and do it, but he yeah. could tell Quincy or he could tell somebody, "This is what I want." You know, that's like James Brown. James Brown with his band, he would just like, if you listen to, I got all these old tapes of him telling people like the bass player what to play. Yeah. And he would actually hum out the bass line. Yeah. And then he would go into, rat, ta, 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 and he would tell people what the drum line should be. And I think I have uh, one of Michael Jackson's CDs like that with like a lot of behind the scenes. Oh, which song was it? But they were using like jars and that ting ting, like to make the sound. It was like him and Janet and somebody else. And I was like, oh, I love that they put this on here because you don't, you don't know, you don't know. No one ever knows the behind the scenes story until we're able to do interviews and they're saying, oh, well, what happened that day? Well, it was rainy and we were all upset at each other and blah blah blah. (laughs) And that was the number one charter. Always entranced by like what what goes into a record i watch Absolutely. all of these documentaries i i yeah. read all this stuff because you know, i interview people and i'm always like trying to dive into like mm-hmm. i i get a lot of bands on like just as they put an album out yeah. and there's a lot of podcasters that go like 15 minute podcast but i go like an hour hour and a half mm-hmm. like if i've got a band that releases an album like i had this one artist i actually she was working on an album for like five years and mm-hmm. i actually got her two years into it and she, you know, the album was now, and we talked for like an hour and a half about what she was doing, mm-hmm. right? And then there was no example of it. And then mm-hmm. just, it, it was, her name's Posimus, and she was in the Bedroom Festival, and she finally released her album. And, you know, I did a, a podcast like a week before, and then I got to actually see her put right. together what she had been talking about for like two years. Yeah. That's dope. And it's like really cool, because I went back and listened, and what she was describing now I can hear it, you yeah. know, and, and that's really cool. I think that's when, you know, I love to allow musicians to get to that level, you mm-hmm. know, 
to tell their audience and their fans to want to know that instead of knowing yes. who yes. your boyfriend or girlfriend or what you <laughs> yeah i'm not into that that's not what <laughs> i'm into <laughs> So is there any story about anything you're working on that any whoever wants to go first about like new stuff you're working on that you want to kind of talk about and, and tell the audience, you know, what 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 it is like you're excited about how it's coming together? Yeah, I, like I, th I, I think just briefly, like, you know, um, um, I think yeah, perfectly long would be the next, um, you know, single or you know, piece of, you know, work on together. Um, so I'm really mm -hmm. keen. I'm going to do, I started working on the guitar part and just, you know, maybe a little organ piano. So I'm just fiddling around a little bit. I'm going to send it to you soon. Um, and and um, hopefully we're going to get it out um, later this year. So that's basically, um, and in a way, it's also like, a, it's kind of like a, like a, almost a comeback because we haven't, you know, we haven't had a chance to work together for the last few years because, you know, I've been yeah. busy over here and, and, and um, you know, we haven't really had that much contact sadly like musically so it's kind of like a we awakening you know i mean so it's really exciting there's a few other ideas that floating around um that we hopefully can turn it to you know like a little i don't know maybe even a p or something see how it goes yeah oh wow so you're thinking of having a, like a like a maybe four or five song ep yeah oh, yeah I mean, and it's kind of like you know, it's always like you know the reality of life and everyday life and different commitments and different projects you're working on and it's actually like the passion like you know each time i talk to everyone's like please send me some songs you know, I feel like I get so uh, carried away. I want to record something right away. Um, and so, you know, uh, my heart is definitely in it to, to record a bunch of songs over the next, you know, few months, hopefully. Um, and again, the space, you know, I'm not a big fan of this space. I love to, like, dedicate a week or two, be in a room with somebody and just knock it out. Like, you know, I've done my albums yeah, in the past yeah. and all like that. Because, you know, you're in the moment and just, you know, you, you probably get a, a year's work of work done in a week, you know, when you really have the time and the space. And so, yeah. you know, it is at times a bit frustrating having all this kind of stop and go, stop and go. But, um, yeah, and, you know, Ebony's working on some other things, so I'll let her speak. <laughs> yeah. uh, just, just some children's songs. Nothing, nothing no, big. No, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that, it's, I mean, I, I grew up on Sesame Street and Electric Company and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they're, they're full of songs, you know, so people write, write songs, you know, for those things. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's cool to use songs to teach children. I think that's a really cool thing. You know? Or just even songs that are just good for them to see, like that you're not going to be worried about them singing, that are just yeah. happy and sweet and allowing them Probably. to be to be children, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the kids, they get on the SoundCloud too early. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Then you're like, what are you saying? <laughs> and they don't even realize it. They're just, they're just, they're just going for it, and you're like, you know what that means? Yeah, no, but so don't say it, please. <laughs> hey, hey, Ebony, you, you shared one last last week with me. I'm, I can't remember the title of it, but you shared like a little, little bit. Do you mind maybe doing a little? I, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Which one was it? It is. Oh, okay. Yes. Um. Everything about you is perfect, everything in your own way, even when you smile it's perfect, cause I can make the tears go away, so don't feel sad and don't feel blue, cause I am here to comfort you, just look here into my eyes you're perfect i know because i've tried to find a flaw 
but I can't find one at all. Your little nose, your little toes, your tummy, you see, it's perfect to me. And then it just kind of keeps going, but that's a song about. about with the perfectly um. Yeah, right. Perfectly alone. Yes. It's in the same EP. Yes. Kind of has kind of reminds me of like a Carpenter's vibe. You know, it's kind of got that '70s kind of wholesome thing. You know. And that's I want it to be. Like I said, just super like simple. I want the kids. I want it to be catchy. I want it to be about you know, saying and just happy, uplifting. Like singing about your baby. They're perfect. Yeah, it's hard to find that anymore because back in the 70s, you'd have like a lot of things like the captain and Tennille and, you know, and then Carpenters were doing this kind of really soft rock, really melodic, kind of wholesome thing. Nixon, mm -hmm. but um, <laughs> invited to the White House, but um, but but <laughs> but uh, you know, the thing is, is like, interesting thing about Karen Carpenter though, though her voice was was so um beautiful, but it was full of melancholy. Mm. See, even when she was singing something happy, you like felt this like overwhelming melancholy, like mm -hmm. that she was able to convey, no matter what. And um, and it's just something. There's a beauty in it that was like, wow, that's like really rare. You don't really hear that kind yeah. of thing as much anymore. It's it's funny because you know it goes back to the, like like um, storytelling. You know when you you know it doesn't matter what, what indigenous culture you look into. Like usually like you know the storytelling is something that you know it's it's been around for the longest. Like you know there's mothers humming little songs or stories to the children to teach them about life, you know, and all this. Mm -hmm. and I think it's, 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 it's this um, combination of, you know, being soothed and feeling kind of safe, but then also kind of, you know, being aware of the, of the broader world. Of and I think, you know, yeah. you know, like whenever, whenever, when anybody hears like a lullaby, you know, like it reminds me of, um, it's just yeah. this, you know, takes you back to being a child yourself. And I think that's where the connection is. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like that nursery rhyme kind of comfort, like, you know, Absolutely. your mom's like, is a reading like a like a nursery rhyme or you you know today's well when I was a kid it's like Richard Scary and Dr. Seuss books my mom would read them to me and I'm like oh where's Goldbug where's this and <laughs> into that but um um it's just uh you know it makes you feel good I mean sometimes like I'm a child of the 70s I get comfort when I hear like 1970s stuff mm -hmm. it kind of brings me back because like, my mom would be like putting me to sleep to the carpenters yeah, or, or or playing like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and it makes me kind of feel, mm -hmm. you know, oh mm -hmm. wow, now I feel kind of because everything in the world today is like you got all this new stuff, but it's like that, that anything from the seventies kind of makes me feel nostalgic, and it, yes. it, it makes me feel happy, and it was it was always trying to pick up that vibe, um, because I think it's and it's able to sound that they were able to make it new. I, I don't want to say everybody's running out of sound now, but it's like everything was so new then and it's like i feel like now people don't even feel like they need to take the time to be different a little bit it's like oh no 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 i don't, I don't know about that it's like no i know about it let's let's do it like i mean how don't you know about it we won't know about it unless you try it let's let's yeah. try it let's do when it think about it like like you like if people aren't willing to take risks like you'd never get hendrix you wouldn't mm -hmm. get what stevie wonder did on um, oh. saturn like we think about like one of the albums I as a synthesizer player, right? I listen to songs in the key of life all the time because songs in the key of life has like amazing synthesizer work on it. And the thing What's is, your like, favorite one? well, Saturn, I love Saturn, Saturn. Okay. because of the synthesizer work. There's a famous Yamaha synthesizer called a GX one, the dream machine. It was like a $300,000 machine that he got Barry Gordy to get him. 
because he was such a good artist. Ooh. He said, "Hey, I want this GX one and very gory." He's like, "What?" It's like it's three hundred thousand dollars. Like, well, you're Stevie Wonder, so you can have it. But, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's all over that album because it's one of the world's first polyphonic analog synthesizers. And what that means mm. is synthesizers up to that point can only do one note at a time. Mm. The GX one could do two-handed chords. So that's why you hear Saturn sounds like an orchestra, but it doesn't sound like violins. Mm-hmm. It's it's different. It sounds totally different. It was his interpretation of what a, like an orchestra would sound like, but mm-hmm. using this otherworldly machine. And then he's using this mm-hmm. modern machine to do this song about, well, people on Saturn live to be 305, right? Mm-hmm. So it's gotten this real modern machine talking about Saturn and this whole idea of the politics of like the world is like, you know, you leave and go to Saturn where you don't have war, you don't have this. Uh, I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah. You know, even to this day, it's like one of the best pre- progressive pieces of music. Anyone, he's an African American artist, and sometimes people don't put him in the, in the list of the great keyboards uh, yeah. for synthesizers. Yeah. For synthesizers, if you look at his work on that album, it's just amazing. I mean, there's not that many. I mean, Keith Emerson's cool, and the guys from Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer, they're cool, but Stevie Wonder's like right up there with him. In yeah. terms of what he did, in, in terms of the construction of that record, it's, it's funny. When I was a kid, my, my mom had a record collection. Stevie was everywhere. Like Stevie, you know, oh, something that's on grew up with. And and just to keep in mind, I didn't speak English until my twenties. So the thing is, but then you know, when I grew up with music, which was mainly English, you know, English um, speaking, I was like, you know, it's so much about the sound and the feel of it because you know you don't understand the lyrics. I mean, you get the sense what it's about, but you don't understand yeah, other yeah. than love, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, he's all about it. And, and so it's interesting when you actually become an adult and you, you kind of revisit those songs and you listen to them like and you actually now understand the, the lyrics. Um, yeah. It's, it's quite interesting because you kind of, you know, get a different different uh, perspective on it. But the sounds are always, you know, like something that, that stayed with me too from the time, you know, listening to those albums. So just, oh, his lyrical content, just everything. Ooh. I mean, it's like, you know, it's as deep as Dylan and the Beatles and Marley, you know, his his lyrical content in the 70s when he did like Inner Visions, he did the songs in the Kia Life, he did all the coloring book, tummy talking book. These out, he had like a three, he had three albums in a row that were like five star records, as mm-hmm. good as anything the Beatles and the Stones did. Mm-hmm. You know, if you one, read Rolling Stones, yes, yeah. We had a he had a big band that he actually rehearsed mm-hmm. that was a pretty yeah. cool. But I think he was one guy pretty much writing everything, yeah. and then he mm-hmm. the band, you know. And it's just he's just amazing genius level musician. And you, you only get a guy that comes close to him was like Prince. Prince, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, signed at the Times is kind of like his his um you know that songs in the key of life is like that for mm-hmm. Prince. But um, yeah, I mean, he was inspired the same way. I mean, Prince totally idolized Stevie. Um, you know, I've got. Then I'm on the right track. <laughs> you knew you're doing the right thing, you know. Stevie would play with him at Paisley Park sometimes, you know, and they would they both like. I mean, Miles Davis played with Prince. Mm-hmm. And they, they, people, like people who were at like really high level respected the fact that he, you know, he was in the same zone. Um, and that's where I, I kind of come from, like the, the appreciation of, uh, you know, singer songwriters, people who really want to put it down. And not afraid to do something different. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, like today's a lot of people, they want to go and say, well, sound like Beyonce, sound like Drake, sound like this. You, you know, and everybody wants to do what's already been done. Doing, doing, yeah. And, and, and it's I, like, I think, no, sound like you. Sound like yeah. you. Why not sound like you? <laughs> like because you you're, the, you're, you're the only you out there. <laughs> That's what's going to make something new happen. You know, if everybody mm-hmm. keeps doing the same thing, 
you're going to end up having like a million copies of the same thing. Same thing over and over and over. But that's why it has been the case for a long time. Yeah, like, you know, when you look at like, pop music for you know the last, I don't know, probably 30, 40, 50 years, you know, once the music became like an industry, you know, it has been like this for a long time. You know, there's a certain sound, somebody's daring to go forward and then they're trying to market it and make money of it. And you know, and I think well, you get these you know, core you get these big producers that make everybody think that that's what you should same. Yeah, you get mm -hmm. 10 big producers and they control everything that's coming out. So then suddenly everybody thinks that you can't deviate from that formula. From that, yeah. 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 yeah, right. So if you come in and you're an artist and you bring in a jazz change, like mm -hmm. oh, for like oh my god, you actually did a key change. Mm -hmm. You yeah. did a, you did a BPM change. You can't do that. You can't do that. I That's can. Not That's not yeah, like where where yeah, yeah. what happened? Yeah. What happened? That's, That's what I'm doing. <laughs> what I'm doing. That's what it's supposed to be. Like, go go listen to the Motown songs. Go listen to the and, How many times did they actually change? you know, what they're doing, some of the more elaborate songs, you know, they started mm -hmm. getting more, you know, and if you li listen to like, you know, the Beatles, what did they do? They mm -hmm. went from being a boy band, they being an experimental art rock band, mm -hmm. you know, but these big, long drawn out songs that had multiple parts, mm -hmm. you know, they were kind of previewing by the time you got to Abbey Road, you got what, like what Pink Floyd would ended up doing, mm -hmm. what, what, what like, you know, like Steely Dan and all these other bands started doing these like songs that had, you know, you get to the Eagles with Hotel of California, you get these, and, and the Queen with um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody yeah. It's yeah. the idea that you can take a song, you don't have to be three minutes, you don't have to be two minutes, but now everybody has forgotten the Bohemian Rhapsody lesson, forgotten the Stairway to Heaven lesson, and everybody's saying, they've forgotten Buster Rhymes and Missy Elliott. It's like so. You can't do anything over like three minutes. And like, how many great songs from the seventies are are longer than three minutes? I can remember my mother saying, "Going to a party, everybody was in shape because they dance, and then you flip to side B, and you kept on, you kept on going." James Brown's got songs that are like eighteen minutes long. You know. You've got two songs on one side. Yeah, but when it feels good, you just you just when you're in that moment, you, you just can't stop. And there's and and when you hear when you hear that like that production and th those songs, it's just it like goes through your veins like, ooh, like I can't even. It's not even a word. It's a it's just a feeling. It's like, you, and then you rewind it and you're like, do you hear that? Like listen to that part right there. That that. Because even if it's small, it makes the whole entire thing just come together. Well, I mean, like, I try to tell oh. people happy accidents are mm -hmm. really what makes a song. And if you let a computer tell you that it's a bad key or it's a bad BPM and you go and you sterilize it. Probably my hair today is there's, there's a lot of people who have sterilized perfect music. Everything's mm -hmm. a grid. Yeah, yep. It's only on the grid and it's totally perfect. And it mm -hmm. sounds great. You know, it's got all these compressors, all this cool stuff. But like, I'll go back and I'll say to some guys, like, I'll pull my Exile on Main Street out, and I'll pull out Keith Richards playing, and you cannot track Keith Richards to the BPM on the chart. Mm -hmm. You can't because he doesn't play like that. He plays like a jazz mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. And if, if you go listen to Jerry Garcia, listen to Frank Zappa, all these guys won't fit on the grid, right? Mm -hmm. And the stuff is brilliant. And I always mm -hmm. tell the young guys when I'm working with them, like. You know, that's the way I like to produce a song. So, like, uh, just forget about the grid and just play it. 
and just play. I mean, it's, and that comes right back full circle to Perfectly Alone because that was completely unplanned. We were just, we were all just there together <laughs> in this room and it was hot and <laughs> it was just like, he started strumming and I'm just like that. And Lord Top was like, what do you mean that? And he, he was able to figure it out and he started looping and playing. And then I just started singing and here we are. <laughs> I think that's the best way to write. I mean, I'm a very big believer in the old school, kind of like a band would just jump in. I was mm. reading about Fleetwood Mac. And Fleetwood Mac, Ooh, like, they, yes. they, would, they would be in the Sunset Studio, you know, at Sound City, and they would just be on this Neve board, this analog board, mm. and they would just like the drummer to start playing, you know, and then, you know, uh, you know, any of the guys in the band would just start jamming something, and then they would just throw it together. Kind of like, yeah. There's nothing like a band being actually in the studio mm-hmm. with really good musicians mm-hmm. vibing off of each other. Like, you know, I, I listen to a story about the Allman Brothers, mm-hmm. you know, about like, you know, bands like that, you know, or Funkadelic, yeah. and, you know, and Bernie Worrell, and, um, and, and George, and, and all those guys, and Bootsy, just like vibing. Mm-hmm. And you know, playing for like a half hour to two hours, and then finally getting like maggot brain, you know. And it's like, you know, this, and it's like, and it just comes out of nowhere. It's like, where, where's that come from? And it is what yeah. well, I'm just gonna vibe, I'm just gonna kind of stream of consciousness, and this great stuff comes out, you know. Yep. It just, yeah, it's hard, not, like, you know. I, I, I'm a strong believer in that kind of style, it yeah. takes a lot of work, you know? yeah. On the lyrical side, you know, I'm thinking of somebody like Leonard Cohen, like, you know, you always said, you know, like for him, writing is like going to work, it's like hard work, it's like labor. He's going, you know, he's going, he's, he's clocking, you know, he's clocking in for a day of work and like, you know, just sitting there laboring over a song, over like one line of a lyric for like a year, yeah. two years. And just, to, you know, like, like, um, because obviously when you think about him, his voice yeah. and, and guitar, I mean, literally what he's trying to convey, there's not a whole lot of else going on. And yeah. um, so, like, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of his of his um, words. I mean, he's just a wordsmith and just a magician when it comes to words. I mean, when I hear some of his, oh, yeah. his um, oh, yeah. especially of the last work as well, before he passed, you know, the last uh, that his, uh, I think his son uh, produced it, the last album, um, some of the best songs he's ever written. And you just sit there, like, literally, you just want to weep and weep and weep just over some words and acoustic guitar, you know, just his wisdom. And um, so, uh, yeah. So, I, I just wanted, wanted to say one thing because. You know, I was trying to stay away from the idea that there's, you know, like oh, nothing out there anymore. And I know, like, you know, especially in America, because America, you know, is so commercialized and so, you know, everything gets so, um, everything gets 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 turned to money. So, like, any purity seems like it doesn't exist. But I think when you really look at, you know, like, there's so many artists out there um, that are um, making amazing, great music in, you know, 2021. You mean? So I think um, just to, just to make sure not to do a disservice to to people who are actually still doing their their, their oh their, yeah absolutely music, and, yeah and, and craft and just just to mention one like I'm I'm a huge fan sorry but I'm Moses Sunny I don't know if you guys heard of him oh yeah yeah I totally it's I just yeah. I mean talk about vocals and you know like interesting sounds and bringing it all together like it's I mean he's he's a guy literally um um I'm just a huge fan of him following him for the last two or three years and he's one of those it's guys that literally take to take this kind of you know artistic creative um visionary kind of you know like like um music into it's very old school you know but but i i don't i guess what i'm saying is there are there's like in the top part of i like the bottom 500 the bottom 200 of the chart mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's dropping, it's i mean they, like, like you said yeah there's nothing against like i said them you know like i said make your money do your thing but like you're saying yeah like i'm i'm looking for the different <laughs> I spend my time. Yeah, I spend my time just talking to indie artists, you know. So I find mm-hmm. artists, like two, three artists a week, that mm-hmm. are not well known, 
And mm -hmm. so, like, so I, I, I pushed artists, I think they should be getting more attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, and people are doing it. And it's just that, yeah. that the industry likes to push the cookie cutter thing. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so I, I just like, the, that's why I did the bedroom producer thing. Cause they show like 22 artists that a lot of people probably didn't know that were doing really good work in different yeah. genres all over the place. And, you know, from EDM to techno, to rock, to punk, to folk, every, every genre was in there. DJs, rappers, and, and it wasn't, nobody was on a major label. You know, nobody mm -hmm. was like in billboard or spin or any of the magazines. It's, I thought that people should get attention. Um, yeah. So that's what I, what I kind of do with this show is it even elevates me as a musician. I'm a musician. I have my own band. Um, yeah. But I decided that I would spend part of my time like talking up other people. And, and by just talking up other people, then it brings my brand up. And I don't mm -hmm. even, you know, more people listen to me than when I was just promoting me. Yeah. I would, you know, have, you know, maybe a thousand people listen to my Spotify and now I'm hit like 7,000. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even talking about me. I'm talking about other mm -hmm. people. <laughs> and I said, well, wow, what is weird. Like, so you pay it forward and you talk about somebody else's band and you don't ask for anything and you don't ask them to pay you. You just do it. It just pays you without mm -hmm. getting any money. And I said, well, that's. And then this is like the magic, just like with the music. So we're all talking, we're sharing information, we're conversing and we're learning. And then you have an idea and then, or I'll have an idea and then boom, bam, pow. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like gold. Here we go. Yeah, because I think it's like you, if you let if you give a platform to people, and you know there's a lot of big companies that want to go and own the platform. You know that's what I started to you know want to branch out to where we interview and we allow performance. Um, so that we can create a virtual venue, and we create a virtual community, and we've we've encouraged a lot of the artists that have come on the show have actually cross collaborated. We've had artists that have interviewed say hey i like this artist you talk to and then they go and talk to each other and they go work on a record sweet yeah yeah, yeah. we want to happen and i'm not like trying to oh give me a piece of that you know no i'm like no it's like you guys do whatever you're gonna do you know mm -hmm. I, i'm not trying to run it like very gory or something <laughs> it's like, but i mean but because you're doing this though i'm certain they'll come back and be like look so i met them through your you know through your show and now we want to do this and we want to show you what we've done together so it's going to come back yeah yeah we get people coming back and they you know we they, they show their project off and then yeah. you know we we go and set it up so now we're going to have performances we're trying to do the bedroom thing you know two times a year with the goal of doing it four times a year with the goal of getting like corporate sponsors, but not ones that are going to take it over and then throw in like the top 10 people in and take the whole thing over. Yeah. My biggest fear is like, I do this thing and then I don't get the bedroom producers. I don't get the underground artists. I mm -hmm. get a bunch of big artists trying to take it over. Yeah. But you know, when the money comes like, Oh, I want the money. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but it's like, like the whole point of it is to give a shine, shine the light on people who are not getting the light. Yeah, um, and so I think you know I'd rather have like like Lord Toff and you guys be on here than to go and bring in a big big name band. Um, for all well, we're thankful. I thank you. Well, because I think that's what needs to happen. Because I think the industry needs to kind of kick. Somebody um, needs to kick it, kick start it. <laughs> it's um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's platform, platforms like this, you know, that, that, that um, you know, keep music alive. And I think the music community as well, because if there's no places to go to, you know, yeah. it's a very, very isolating experience. I'm sure there's a lot of musicians who, you know, give them up. I mean, they might hum in the shower, but, you know, like, unless you have, yeah. you know, you have a, no, unless you have others that you can, you know, collaborate with or like, you know, you kind of find yourself, see them, yourself in them. It becomes a very, very lonely journey. I mean, so, um, especially mm-hmm. at the moment, like what's going on with, with the, you know, with all those restrictions and, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gypsy. I love to travel. A lot of my songwriting and ideas come from from on the road and and so really i'm really you know kind of yeah it's not easy for me to be stuck in one place for a long time i mean and, and you know I'm, I'm, i love seeing friends around the world that i have um and so you know like i'm trying to get used a bit more to the online thing and you know that's why i loved having the opportunity to play at the festival um just getting used to those those platforms like not not as as a as an ex, as an exchange but kind of like as an addition and hey as you know another yeah. another way of, of connecting and um well, i yeah, think the, so. thing that's hard, the hard thing i've had um with bands is like the, the lack of feedback right mm-hmm. so if you're playing like you go play a club whether it's a 300 seat club or a 3000 seat club or a 10,000 seat theater rate you get the feedback of the audience that's mm-hmm. right and then you know musicians i think always need to know if they're hitting it or not hitting that's, that's right. right and then when you do these online things it's hard to tell yeah if the audience did you what i found is like i said i've been doing online since like 2016 and i just get myself into kind of a zone right mm. i get excited about my own thing mm. right so if i get excited about what i'm playing i get myself in a zone so i'm kind of like like a music zoned out <laughs> and I get it is kind of like Hendrixian you know kind of like okay I'm gonna get into it like mm-hmm. Jimmy used to I'm gonna I'm just do it right so, and then you just focus and I'm not gonna think about what anybody's thinking about I'm gonna groove to my own thing mm-hmm. and get excited and then it's like if I'm excited then yeah. the audience will get excited I'm excited mm-hmm. so then you kind of I think that's to, how it works yeah if, if you if you if you think of it in that way then you can kind of bring your own excitement. Then you can bring your own enthusiasm, and you're not mm-hmm. looking for that feedback. You know that mm-hmm. a lot of people look for, but it's hard to get yourself in that state. You know if you can't kind of yeah, if, yeah, if you can't blend those, yeah. It's a it's a very different way, and it's like for you it's probably a little easier because it's kind of like more like a studio thing. Like you know you playing, it's almost like playing in a studio, working like you know sounds and working things out. But when you perform or like you know like a singer somewhere, it's literally the conversation with an audience, which kind yeah, of falls yeah, away when you you when like, it's kind of like you know sitting in front of the mirror, ah, I'm thinking to myself. So it's kind of yeah, it, it takes a lot of way, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah. So and and you know and I think too, um, it's interesting. I love I love like you know OK Computer from Radiohead. Which kind of like you know, was at the end of the 90s and was talking about like you know what we're moving into and i think you know like this whole conversation about technology it's i mean it's here to stay obviously it's great like you know it's great tools we can use but also it also presents us with a lot of challenges and a lot of kind of like disconnection like you know it's cold it is yeah. like you know not yeah. personal like you know because we, we humans we we need each other and just, you know the last yeah. year and a half is such a prime example of that conversation about you know this fine line between taking advantage of technology but not let technology take advantage of us. So it's kind of like this, you know, it's this fine balancing act between those two and, you know, making sure that you don't, um, uh, I guess, let go of the human aspect of it. Like, you know, um, and yeah, that's, 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 that's just me. Like, I'm really, you know, I, I miss shows. I miss playing shows, being, you know, around people, being in the studio together. Um, and um, yeah, because yeah, I feel like, to be honest, my, 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 my artistic growth has been, has been stalled a lot because I spend a lot of time on my own, like, you know, family yeah. life, work life, yeah. and I have so many ideas, but the problem is for the really to kind of get snowballing, I need somebody else in there, like, you know, for, for yeah, you, want, to, to you, want a full, you, you want a full, like, 
backup, you know, like studio musicians to be able to, like I was watching this documentary with Peter Gabriel, right? And he was doing mm-hmm. so. And he went and like handpicked all the people that he's going to work with, you know? And he had been in Genesis, I think the best singer for Genesis, but his solo work is he would build this team. Mm-hmm. And he would go find like, you know, I want this guy because he's a really good drummer. I want this sax player. I want this. And he would just go fi- build his team. Mm-hmm. And he's a solo artist. He's writing everything. Mm-hmm. But he found people that actually, you know, helped write the songs. Because it's like, okay, I want this guy. I had He had, he had a rule. No cymbals. No hi-hats. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the drummer came and said, we got to have the hi-hat. We got to have the song. So he, they argued. And he convinced Peter you got to bring the hi-hat in. And it's like, and that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing you want. Cause like he had his, right. he had his mindset on like, I'm not going to have any hi-hat, mm-hmm. no hi-hat at all. And then suddenly the guy said, well, I can show you hi-hat that you're going to want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he did, he did it. And I was like, well, that's cool. That's why you want to work with people. Cause I think yeah. he changed his mind, you know, he's yeah. like, yeah, now, now he actually proved a point. And I was like, that's what you want. You know, the guy's going to come in and alter what your mindset was and, and mm-hmm. actually bring something to the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you know, again, talk about perfectly long as well. I mean, I'm listening, I was listening to, to just instrumental. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't hear like where it was going. And then, and then basically I heard Ebony's voice like, oh, wow. Like, it's funny how, you know, you put the voice on top of the guitar and it makes so much sense. Because, you know, like if, when I was playing the guitar, yeah, it's a little lick, whatever. But I, me personally, I wouldn't really sing to it, like, because the way I sing is different. And when she yeah. started singing, it was like, it was just a perfect match. And again, like, you know, it takes sing, things or ideas like on, on to a whole nother level. It doesn't, doesn't take like, you know, you don't have to have a 10 man crew, even just one other person that can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, oh man, I like this and, and, you know, jump in and, and create something bigger than, than you might just a duo you know because if you Mm -hmm. get like think about like hall and oates like you get Mm -hmm. daryl hall by himself he sounds a certain way when you bring you know oates in and his part is subtle you know because daryl's like singing the lead on everything but then when oates comes in he does this kind of harmony he does these back and vocal he doesn't sing every word but the Mm -hmm. combination of the both of them Mm -hmm. is like simon and garfunkel when you get these teams right Mm -hmm. it's the, the team you know, of, 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 you know, Flavor Flav and Chuck D, you know, when you get the team, mm-hmm. coming, you get this, you get this different sound when two people come in and you get the Beatles, yeah. for example, like four personalities or the who, like four mm-hmm. personalities, like Pink Floyd, like five different guys come yeah. in and, and then bring in their piece. And when you get that kind of elaboration, um, it's interesting. Cause like I've, I've collaborated with people over time and I do stuff, but a lot of times I'm by myself. And what I do is I use analog synths and analog synths are like people in a way compared to Mm. digital synths. They have their Mm. own kind of mind. They Mm. kind of just go off and they do things you don't expect. And so I've been able to use them as like members of my band because they randomly go and do things I don't expect. And then I use it. Okay. (laughs) And it's, it's kind of weird. I'm a techie, but, but like analog synths have this kind of warmth and vibe to them that if I didn't have them, I probably sound kind of stale and digital and not interesting, but, but, you know, when you have these machines that they could take 20, 20, 30 minutes to warm up. And when you, when you turn them on one day, they sound this way and turn them on the next day, they sound a different way. And, and they can do things you don't expect. And so in, in that way you can have, like, I can have all these different machines actually being members of my band. And I've actually kind of written my band up as like, these are like ghosts in the machine 
and we're all ghosts and we're all kind of talking and we're speaking this like electronic language that's mm. like peg which is family like a ghost <laughs> but um, yeah i think it's interesting like people have to find a way to to to, to, to do what they need to do um yeah. to communicate in this age where you can't always be in the same room yeah you know and, and i think also like you know, um just go with it as well. Like, um, um, you know, I, I love my acoustic stuff, but I also love to collaborate and, and you know, and work in different ways. Like, you know, sending tracks somewhere. And somebody sends me maybe a piano part, like low top, say, hey, you're fitting on something and I'm sitting down. And, you know, again, I love when, you know, I love playing with people's ideas, like, you know, people painting a bit of a soundscape and then I can actually yeah. put my vocals on it, which is very different than using a guitar because the guitar kind of puts me a little bit in a, in a, in a, in a box. You, you I kind of work in a box. Like, exactly. Yeah, and I love, I love range. I love just writing and just singing because then I can actually have to worry about the guitar and, and I love that that way of working as well, which is really good when you when you're in the same room. It's a really great way. Um, and you know that, that's what we're working at the moment. There's a few songs. Um, uh, the next one I think is uh, "To the Reef." I think it's one song um, that we're working on at the moment. So we're trying to put together a little EP, myself and Lord Top. So he's fiddling on some some more uh, soundscapes, and I'm yeah working on some lyrics. So that's another thing working on at the I moment. I think that's always what I love about. Um electronic music is you can go anywhere like mm. i can go like the funkadelic direction or i could go like the pink floyd direction mm -hmm. right? so then you can kind of go classical or psychedelic or you know or kind of jazz oriented and so you because you're on a keyboard in instrument that's kind of based mm -hmm. on a piano and organ you have a lot of different ways you can go and then you can work with other people and you can do all this layering and um, it just gives you like you're you're not like stuck in a box. Yeah. Like, like if you decide, well, I want to go and do some bossa nova. Mm. I want to do it. Like you can just do whatever you're gonna do. You know, you just mm. you just you don't feel restricted, and you can just like, okay, today I'm gonna actually go try to do a 20s 1920s flapper song. You know, <laughs> that's what I feel like doing. <laughs> and Absolutely. You just go wherever you're gonna go. I think me and Lord Top actually. I don't even think I know that we put together a song, and I think it's like I, I'm 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 95% certain it's called "Stop That Noise," and it's pretty much about that, like just not being in that box, like just do do other things. Because I'm telling him, like, what are you, what are you, what am I hearing? Stop that noise! Don't you know? Don't be different. And he's just like, and he comes in, and his voice, and it's so smooth. And we're gonna have to get that back together because that is needed. But yeah, it's really, it's really, really good. I think it's the first time, the first song that him and I ever, uh, yeah, he and I ever did together, like together, together. Like he's produced stuff for me, but I think like that he actually got on a track with me, and I was just like, yes, yes. <laughs> you want that? That's what you, you know. That's the whole goal. And like, I think it's just so fun to collaborate with people, you know, and I've mm -hmm. done a bunch of stuff. I did this thing with this Canadian poet and, and she does this really interesting po poetry, Coyote mm -hmm. Lynn. And, and she had never really put it to music. She just has this really good voice yeah. and it's really kind of stark, kind of, uh, you know, kind of dark, you mm -hmm. know, poetry. But, but then, so I decided, well, what happens if I put some of my kind of techno like uh like you know, joy division like sound behind what you're doing mm. uh and, and and it was a cool project because it was like not something she ever thought she wanted to do yeah and mm -hmm. then we went and did it and um you know is this something that we weren't trying to do like something you know was gonna hit the top 10 we just wanted mm -hmm. to do something that kind of i wanted to fit into her vibe yeah 
and then just do it. And it's okay, we'll put it out and see what happens. And and you know, I do projects here and there just because it's like, oh, I like I think this person's voice is interesting or I like the way they play bass or I like the way they play piano. And it's just mm-hmm. just go do it. And it's like because we're free in this indie world, I'm gonna ask like the label, can I work with this person? No, you do it. It's like no, I'm just gonna do whatever I want. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I think that's what you know. It, it, I mean, you have to pay the bills and you do what you gotta do, but um, yeah, I think I think it's it's cool to have full freedom. Absolutely, um, and, and I think that's what what I love about this this whole like indie world is is letting people say what they want to say, and mm-hmm. I say, oh, the advertisers aren't gonna allow that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't talk about that. Next question: How are you doing? Like, yeah. I can't talk about it because they got to pull me. <laughs> I actually think that the music pays the bills. Like, and I think it's important that you actually keep the music going because you know that's that's yeah. what that's what that's what nurtures you. That's what you know keeps you keeps you going. Because if you know if you don't take care of yourself and you know expressing yourself, I think you know um, it gets very hard to to do all the other stuff. You know, and then that's you know, mm-hmm. that's the yeah. You know, um, and, and I know like because you know, we like to look at the bills and all the you know, um, um, responsibilities and then like, you know, trying to squeeze in the artist, artistry at the end. But I think it's really important to to um, give it give it the, the importance. Even other people might not get it. They're like, oh, what, what do I mean? Like you have two people coming to your show. <laughs> Even nobody knows you. Why do you spend so much time on it? Because, because it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's important. Of, you know, yeah, this is, this is, I mean. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, music is very important. And a lot of people, like I always tell people like, one of my favorite poets, William Blake, you know, he's a farmer. Uh, he never got popular. He was gone. You know, people found mm. his artwork in his barn. All mm. these plates. He did uh, all the songs of innocence and experience are actually on these metal plates etched wow. in acid. They have artwork that go with like Tiger, Tiger, Fear, Fear, Die Symmetry, that famous Blake poem. All those poems are on these art plates of metallic drawings. Wow. He was an artist, art like a metallic artist and he had these plates so every single song of experience and innocence is on a plate with a really intricate drawing with the poem embellished into it and people Mm -hmm. found them and then say wow this guy's one of the greatest poets of the victorian era but nobody even knew who he was until he was gone Mm-hmm. You know, and and but 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 here's the thing, you know, it also doesn't matter. That's exactly the thing because again, through through like an you know American commercialized Disney, you know, um, um, Warner Brothers lens, everything has to be turned into gold into money. And when you think about it, like you know, if it's actually just part of your, you know, like like I mean back in the day, you know, like the the you know people in the fields, you mean like they're just singing because it was part of sustaining them, keeping yeah, them alive. I mean, they didn't, yeah. you know, like and then. They did like a lot of this, you know. I looked into like you know Sweden, how Sweden has been so big in, in the pop scene, like you know, with producers and songwriters, like you know. And they were saying that in Sweden, um, songwriting is just something people do, like you know, like the knitting or like you know, um, looking in the garden. People just, just people just writing songs. It's, just part of, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I want to be a star, I want to be, but it's just like everybody just writes songs. It's just like they do uh, in, their, in their spare time. You mean? And um, I love this, you know, the Irish too. Like the Irish, you know, music is a big part of, of their culture, but they do. You mean? And you it's have like to be blues. a star. Yeah, it's like the yeah. Delta blues, like the Delta mm. blues. You get to like you know Robert Johnson. You get the music in, in Louisiana, right? All these British acts like mind that work, from mm. the Yardbirds to Zeppelin to Stones. You know, all mm. of them. You know, they mined the, the American Southern black rock, I mean, mm. blues, got turned into multi million dollars, billions of dollars. 
And the guys who wrote it, they never got penny from it. But you know, but you got like Jack White and Keith Richards. They try to give back to those artists, and they've been doing stuff to try to help them out. But but the fact is, um, you know, a lot of them didn't do anything. But but you know that that is kind of like you know that was the DNA. You know, it was like you said, they they came from the cotton fields. How did you get a Robert Johnson? How did you get a Lead Belly? It was that that tradition of that pain. And those blues guys could take that pain and put it into music. Mm-hmm. And it became like what rock and roll is, that black blues music electrified mm-hmm. and, and made a little bit more, uh, you know, popular. But, you know, I think but to me, it's like Hendrix took it back. Yeah. Like when he, when he was around for the three years that he was in the spotlight, he like owned it. And he, he still is like the greatest guitar player ever, yeah. ever walked the planet. And nobody can match him because he actually was the the bones of that. You know, mm-hmm. he was that tradition and actually did it at a level that nobody else did. So and I, I always get a little offended when people act like black guys don't play rock. Yeah. You know, like, what about Hendrix? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, it's the music industry, like, you know, all the, all the, you know, like, like uh, putting people in boxes and, you know, like, coming yeah. up all those rules and making sure that, you know, you can't even access your own culture anymore. Like, you know, that's when you came up with this, but you can't, you know, oh, no, you're black, you have to go there and you have to do this and you're white, you have to go there. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, um, and, and again, that's why I love artists who basically, like, you know, who are just, just known and famous for being artists because they just had to express themselves, you know, and, and just give a little, little mm-hmm. credit, like, to, to some female artists that, that, you know, inspired me, like, you know, Björk. Um, when it comes to electronic electronic music, um, you know, Bjork is somebody who who just, you know, I mean, her visuals, like the videos she done twenty years ago, you know, computerized videos, which were like so ahead of time, and her sound, we just think, where is she coming from? Like, you know, Kate Bush in the eighties, like, you know, like she was a woman in the eighties having her own studio, basically telling men what to do in the eighties, <laughs> and she was basically having like, you know, eighteen years old having a number one hit in like the twenty. She was like a total leader. She's a leader yeah. in that movement, you know, because yeah. almost every female artist today gets compared. You know, that's doing like really experimental work to like Kate Bush or Bjork mm-hmm. or like the Tori Amos of the world, Lori Anderson. They get compared into that world, compared, you know, we get the, you get the Beyonce's and, and you get Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. But when you get to like the, the, the people who are doing this like art rock, mm-hmm. you get the Kate, Kate Bush and, you know, you get that kind of direction. And also, I think like the vision as an artist, what they're going to look like, you know, like, like how they put, like, uh, um, um, Put himself out there, like you know, in, 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 yeah, in something that's like not, 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 you know, what Bjork was doing was not at all what was popular. She was oh. like a total, you know, she was doing like Andy Warhol type stuff, you know, she's mm-hmm. pushing it in a way that the women hadn't been pushing it like that. You would get a guy like Warhol, he would expect, okay, he can do that, right? Mm-hmm. But then you get somebody like her doing that, she came in the scene that she had this very different vibe and you're like wow that's kind of like for outer space you know mm. you got fk twigs i think is doing that, yeah. does that kind yeah. of thing. she she yeah. fk twigs she comes out there and she has that kind of vibe and she's like wow she just brings this thing and like yeah. where's that coming from and like sade had a vibe oh and yeah you just like bring onto the stage yeah she's like Ten years. I've got something to say. I come out. Um, so you know, she's she's yeah. All, you know, all she comes out. Everybody listens because she's like the queen. You know, she's like yeah. You know, yeah. I love Beyonce, but like I'm I'm a, I'm kind of like I came from the time period when she showed up, and I'm like, oh my god, like Sade is like <laughs> 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 she's it for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I got to see her, I got to see her like about 10 years ago when she did her last album. She came here to Melbourne. And I mean, you know, I, I don't even know what to say. One of the best concerts I've ever seen, like barefoot and just literally just holding the audience and like you know, she was just so sharp and, and without having to do having to do much. Whatever she did was so, you know, drew you in and uh, well, her amazing. band is so good. The band she oh. picked, you know, and the people she works with, like Maxwell works with the same people. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, and it's yeah. like, uh, and he's a brilliant guy too. I like, I like Maxwell. Yeah, Maxwell yeah. actually, actually, um, uh, woman's this woman's world is um, Kate Bush song. Yeah, yeah, his version is amazing. Oh, yeah. you know, but he yeah. showed props to that. Can I, you know, mm -hmm. but I love his work. He has amazing work. He's kind of like a prince. Yeah. He's like an unsung, really good producer, and he's very yeah. Good. I think he heard his voice a little bit. You know, I think he strained his vocal. He actually bust a vocal yeah. cord or something oh but, uh, I didn't yeah, that. yeah yeah that's why we haven't heard from him for a while because he kind of heard, mm -hmm. heard his vocal voice but um yeah. well i think we're kind of at the we're top end of what we do we're over an hour um okay. but we like to kind of just vibe and and talk yeah. and so th this has been live on my facebook twitch youtube channels we are going to also uh with our partners on anchor fm this will be on spotify and apple Podcasts and like nine other platforms on the audio pa podcast platform. So we'll, we'll push this out. We'll have a story on our Instagram that links the Spotify version within an hour. Um, so we're happy to have you guys come back on the show anytime you want to push any projects. Yeah, I'm like, the, I'm ready when you are. And we're definitely going to be doing like the phase two of the producer festival, probably targeting for November, December, 2021. Nice. Okay. It is going to become a regular thing that we're going to be doing. So, you know, uh, start planning for it because we're going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> just, just want, just want to thank you. Really appreciate you. Like I said, providing this platform and, and you know, um, giving indie artists an um, opportunity to, you know, have those conversations and share what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, Phantom Electric Ghost and myself, we're trying to figure out a few things at the moment too. You're sending me a few, few. Um, Synth track, so we might have something coming too down the track. You know, down the, down oh, the track. I, you know? I, I write all day. I write yeah. all day. So you see my babies. Yeah. But um, I, I, I definitely would love to come back. Like once we, you know, um, got something yeah. finished, like the single. Okay. Um, I, I yeah, get, absolutely. Get Lord Toff on here. He did the audio version of my podcast. Okay. He's never done the video version, so. Oh I yeah, got, we gotta get him. Yeah, I gotta get him. To get him in. I already talked to him about it, but he's, you know, he's doing what he's doing. But we, he's gonna be on at some point. But um, yeah. but yeah, it, it, I'm really thankful that he he introduced me to you guys. I give him props for that. Kalino's and vice versa. Very thankful, grateful. <laughs> Got to send our love to to Lord Tuff and the Monte Cristo yes. crew. So, yeah, um, the Crystal crew. That's yeah, our family. Yeah. That's our home. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are awesome, and we really appreciated um, that you took part in the festival. You know, we that was the first time we ever tried anything like that, and you guys were a big part of it. And uh, a lot of people have been telling me they liked your guys' performance and they want to know more about you guys. So that's why we have this show. So now people can know more about who you guys are. And uh, I, I encourage everybody to go out and hit the links that we have um, for that we have attached to this um, podcast. And so we have links for you. Um, and we're going to push this out to the world and see what happens because that's what we do. Um, thank you very much for participating. We'll talk to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great one. Okay, bye. Namaste. <laughs> yeah.